You'll notice on the lift notes that this is part three, being present in the present. So it's intentionally a nice little summary for you there of our last couple weeks as my wife and I have tag-teamed there. A little summary, and then on the back really is the, the new stuff. So I encourage you, especially as you process in your life groups, that this would be something that you really... Take to the Lord and say, God, what is it that you're wanting to say to me? Because I know that there's something for all of us where we can grow in being able to be present in the present, in God's presence. This is one of the most crucial things that we can intentionally do our part to grow in the skill, the skills of being present. And it's important. This is what eternity is all about. I love how the book of Revelation simply describes heaven as when God will dwell with his people. That's God's presence. His, he is present among us. We are present with him. It's Revelation 21.3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. It's a little picture of eternity. It's so simple. It's just about being with God. We're present in His presence. And it's so much of that goodness is meant to begin now. And I'm passionate about this. We're passionate. I, I love this because it's, it's just really about how do we live everyday life. And man, it's just such good news that God has not left us as orphans and that you know, being a follower of Jesus isn't simply this set of like abstract beliefs. I believe God's real. I believe what Jesus did on the cross. And so, you know, when I die, I have a hope of heaven. All that is awesome. Awesome. Not understating that at all or diminishing that. That's huge. But I love that included in that gospel of salvation is a gospel of the kingdom which is at hand right now, meaning God has a lot he's wanting to do in our life now before we die. And so much of what we see modeled in the New Testament is a living, vibrant, personal, powerful, passionate relationship with God. He's here. He wants to talk with us. I mean, we, we, it's, so, uh, it's just so cool. Last Friday night, two nights ago, when we had Awaken, it's just one of my favorite things in the world to just get in these little groups and say, let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak. And it just, so the people that weren't here last time, we said, all right, you get to go first. You get to be in the mush pot. Don't tell them anything. Ask them to just listen to the Holy Spirit and, and give you those words of encouragement. And I love over and over and over the report. I asked all over this morning, how was it, man? And what are his words? It was great. It was so cool how people are saying things. They don't know anything about what's going on, and it's just right on. And that's the heart of our Heavenly Father who doesn't want you to go through life feeling like an orphan. He wants you to know that he's here. He wants to talk to you. He wants it to be real. He wants it to be close, intimate, personal. And so that's what this is all about. How do we do our part in growing in just listening? Listening is a skill. 
<laughs> Any of you who've ever you know, tried to be married, you know, listening is a skill. It doesn't come naturally. <laughs> At least I've learned that. It's, it, this, but part of relationship with God, it's a real relationship. He does his part. What's our part? And this is a, these things are huge parts of our part. So we've been looking at various skills, if you will, to do our part in growing, in listening, and being aware how to cultivate being present in the present, ultimately in God's presence. So important. So I want to pick up here. I guess we're at uh, number five. If you're on your lift notes, Right on that first page, we summarized the last couple weeks. Some of the skills we want to grow in. Disciplining ourselves to regularly put aside unnecessary distractions. And I love this whole thing. I love that God honors us to grow in skills. I mean, we have these, my, my kids are like all into ninjas in these, you know, these cartoons where it's like you become sharp. You become skilled. You become great at something. And I love watching those because I feel like there's very healthy spiritual parallels. And we're not meant to be these like just spiritually lazy blobs that just sit here and just God does it all while we're just Bleh. I love it's his grace, it's his presence, it's his initiation, but he truly wants us to become highly skilled, like spiritual ninjas. I mean, take every thought captive. That is, be, become a spiritual ninja. That's not sit back and be a, a spiritual blob and just, God's going to do everything, don't worry. No. They, Paul wouldn't have written letters to all these Christian churches trying to learn how to follow Jesus if we just have no responsibility. Take every thought captive. He doesn't say, just sit there and watch God take every thought captive for you. He says, your job is to grow in the skill of learning how, by God's grace, to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. I mean, I love that because it's like something feels good and holy and healthy when our soul becomes skilled at something, right? I mean, there's, it's just, I believe, a spiritual principle of we come alive when we become really great at something. And not for the sake of greatness itself, but because I believe that's actually becoming more like Christ. Christ had every thought captive and submitted it to the will of his Father. And I love that, wow, I can partake by his grace and by his Spirit in me, that I can grow like a spiritual ninja to be strong, to be able to take every thought captive. And it's his grace with me, but there's this partnership. It's like, wow, this, this feels really good. That's, that's like the healthy achieving of something. And so we're growing in these skills, and that's, that's it's an invitation from the Lord. So one is discipline ourselves to regularly put aside unnecessary distractions. I want to get great 
at being able to say as like this take every thought captive spiritual ninja, no, I'm going to, I can get good at putting aside distractions, becoming aware of them, saying, oh, that's not helping me commune with God. I'm going to put it aside right now. And I want to grow in a fierceness of that and a strength and a mental acuity to recognize it. Or number two, ruthlessly prune out hurry from our life. That is a skill, again, to become aware. What is the healthy pruning that needs to happen? What needs to be added in? What needs to be taken out? Based on being led by the Spirit. Or number three, say la, say ah. As my wife preached last week, just that healthy, as the Psalms say, take a breath, pause, reflect, Live in the moment. Be aware of where your heart, mind, and spirit are at. Don't get sucked into just the crazy busyness around. But as the psalmist say, put forth the truth of God's word and then say la. Reflect on it. Pause. Meditate on it. And to do that throughout the day is so good for the soul. Or number four, thankful, tankful. I love that little meme that my wife came up with there. When we practice being thankful, that's again a mental acuity. It's a, it's a spiritual ninja type thing. We all, think about this, we can go through life, and if you want to, and some people are great at this, if you want to find things to complain about, you can. That's not a fruit of the Spirit, to be great at complaining. In fact, the opposite, what's good for the soul, is to look at those things that we can be thankful for. It actually helps us be present with God in the moment. And I was bantering with her about being this, uh, at times, this kind of science geek, but I'll say on this point that she brought up, I love how the science of brain chemistry reflects God's word in the health of having an attitude of gratitude. There's more and more reports or, or studies that are being done and coming out that affirms God's word. Thanksgiving is all over God's word. The importance of having gratitude and, and, and intentionally putting our minds on things, finding things, scanning our horizon, if you will, throughout the day. What can I stop and be thankful for right now in this moment? And that that actually does wonders for your brain chemistry. And I love when science affirms what the Bible talks about. Because, I mean, to me, science is simply <laughs> finite people discovering the infinite creator. <laughs> and we think we're so cool, we discovered this. Like, <laughs> gosh, humble ourselves. All we did was discover. <laughs> we didn't, like, do anything. We're discovering the greatness of the one who did everything. But here's a couple studies on brain chemistry and gratitude real quick. Gratitude, and I am going to geek out, and my wife is going to be proud of this here. Gratitude, when you practice gratitude, this, they, they put the little things on your brain and they test it. When you practice genuine gratitude, it reduces the cortisol hormone in your brain. The cortisol is the stress and anxiety hormone. So when you find something to genuinely be thankful about, it literally reduces, on a physiological level, the hormone that is, that is mustering up anxiety and ultimately leading to depression. That's awesome. <laughs> it also increases 
serotonin and dopamine. Those are the two feel-good hormones. The serotonin is more of the, the quick the quick release happiness. Dopamine is more of the long-term satisfaction. Both of those, science proves it, when you practice gratitude, both of those are released into the brain. I just love, it's like scientifically proven, it's good for the soul, it's good for the body, it's good for the mind to practice gratitude. I mean, you literally have like a little weapon inside of you that God's given you throughout the day to stop the, 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 the path of anxiety and depression and bring happiness and long-term satisfaction. Gratitude is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. It's awesome. So that's, it's a skill because we can look around at the world. We can look around at our life. We can look around at the things we don't yet have, the, the half-empty or we can say thankful, tankful. When we practice gratitude, it actually fills up our tank. So I love that. Okay, now on to new stuff. Number five. Again, we're just looking at skills. So it's kind of a lot, but it's ultimately we take these and say, Lord, what are you wanting to grow me in right now? How do we cultivate skills of being able to be present with you? Be able to be present wherever we're at and ultimately present with you. So number five, a skill that helps us be present in the moment, in the present, and present with God. Make a choice to redeem the time when you're in frustrating, annoying situations. Make the choice to redeem the time when you're in annoying, frustrating situations. So, we all have those. We all have situations where we're not like, wow, this is so much fun. <laughs> My serotonin and dopamine are just naturally releasing right now while I'm sitting in traffic and doing dishes and cleaning the house. Whatever, whatever that thing is for you or things. I mean, there's good... Come on, be honest. We've all got multiple situations. And so my challenge to myself is, okay, so there's going to be regular situations in life, whether I've got a commute to work or I've got three boys who are just eating like gorillas and I cannot tame the beast of dishes no matter how hard we try. And there, there are things that all of us are going to have as these like regular rhythms almost. They come at you. They're there. They're, they're not really going anywhere. You don't have control to stop them. But they're not naturally fun. <laughs> they're annoying. They're frustrating. So one response is to be like, yeah, that's just my part of the day that stinks. Or that's just my day of the week that, oh, I hate. Or this is just my part of the day. I just, oh. And we can kind of give in to defeat. Just like, yeah, I hate that part of my day, and I'm grumpy before, because I know it's coming, during, and then afterwards, and I have to recover. And you just kind of give in to the defeat of, ugh. Or, we could put this verse into practice right here. Psalm 139, 7-10. to 10. Where shall I go from your spirit. Where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. That's the valley of struggle, the underworld even in some senses in the Hebrew. The valley of struggle, if, my, if I make my bed, in, if I'm there, it's like the valley of the shadow of death. Just think kind of you've descended into the valley of struggle. You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, so it's just saying way away from where I'm at, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I love this verse because what it's saying is there's nowhere we can go where God's presence isn't accessible. This isn't saying everywhere I go, it's God's presence is just, ah! No, it's saying even if you make your bed in Sheol, even if you're in the depths of the valley of the struggles of life, there's nowhere you can go that God's presence isn't accessible. Where can I go from your spirit? I couldn't run so far that your spirit isn't accessible. Where can I flee from your presence? I mean, so let's just make it clear. It's accessible. I mean, there are clear things where the Bible says we can quench the spirit. We can ignore the spirit. So it's not just saying, everywhere I go, woohoo, God's presence. This is part of that relationship. God's presence is accessible. And so I love that. Because what that's saying, and I mean, you know, when they're talking about the valley of the shadow of death, that's way more extreme than what gets us off base on a regular basis, right? As frustrating as traffic may be, it's not the valley of the shadow of death, you know? As annoying as it is to do an hour of dishes every day for these little gorillas, it's not the shadow of death. But it can sure ruin my day, right? It can get me out of God's presence real quick and in a funky mood that no one wants to be around me. So the mindset is... Nothing that I'm going to encounter in my day has more power than God. No situation is too big where I just have to give up and say, you know what? It's not even possible for me to encounter God's presence right now. That's what this verse is saying. We can have the mindset that anything I'm doing, it's possible to encounter God's presence. And so I like to make two declarations when I'm in frustrated situations. And I'll, my two frustrating situations right now are the ones I'm mentioning. Traffic, one of my, my old, oldest boy goes to school in Temecula. And so, you know, there's that, oh, sometimes it feels like a waste of my day in the traffic, all that. And then there's others. The other is, you know, the gorilla dishes I've mentioned. So those are things that are not going away. They're part of our rhythm of life. So two declarations based on Psalm 139 that I make. When I'm feeling frustrated, annoyed, ugh. one, I can be with God right now. And two, how can I be with God right now? I mean, that's just Psalm 139 translated into, you know, my little brain. That's what it says, Psalm 139. I can be with God right now. There's nowhere I can go where his presence isn't accessible. So when I'm frustrated, I can make a declaration. Wait a second, I don't have to live in defeat. I can be with God right now. First, I need to remind myself of that. And then the second question is, okay, so how? How can I be with God right now? How can I find God right now? Maybe it's some of the ones we've talked about. 
Maybe it's the thanksgiving, the thankful, to make your tank full. Maybe it's the, the selah, the pause. Take a breath. Breathe it in. If you've got a piece of God's word that you've been meditating on, meditate on that. Slow down. Maybe it's, there's some distractions right now. We've got to put them aside. Maybe it's there's the, the hurry that's going on. And it also leads into our next one, which is we want to commit, number six, we want to commit to growing our repertoire of how we connect with God. So we're in that moment of frustration. I want to make a choice. Wait, I can redeem this time. I can redeem this time. I can be with God right now. How can I be with God right now? And that's where you are pulling from your repertoire. What are those things that help me connect with God? What are those things that help me recognize his presence? I'm in the car. Do I, should I turn on a sermon? Should I turn on some worship music? I mean, we, li we do live in a day and age with the technology where we have no lack of resources available. I mean, you've got a phone, you've got a radio, everything's got Bluetooth. I mean, there is an abundance of great content out there. Sermons and podcasts and worship music. And so there's, those, are, those are great ways. Bible reading, they, they, they'll, they'll do it for you. I do that sometimes in my car, where it's someone's reading the Bible to me. Just let it wash over me. Do I have to practice some gratitude? Should I maybe pray for others? Pray about my day? What's going on? Sometimes that's you distract yourself from the frustrating moment. I mean, the moment itself is, is what you need to be distracted from. You know, like, like a little kid sometimes, right? Redirect. Redirect yourself. Instead of you just sit here, you know, pouting like I, I do, like the little kid, like, I didn't get my candy. Redirect to something positive. But hey, we can do flips on daddy. Oh, cool, I don't, you know. And they forgot about candy. Now, if you ask them about candy, they start crying again. But if you do flips on daddy, you're happy and you forgot that you didn't, you know, your 12th sucker of the day. So we're like that still. Redirect. Don't try to sit here and be like, I love traffic. I love traffic. Oh, I'm so happy about doing traffic. So happy to sit here. No, no, no. You're not going to win that one. Redirect. Find a positive place to engage. And that gets into this number six. We want to commit to growing our repertoire of how to connect with God. The idea is don't cap your list. A larger repertoire of how you connect with God gives you more flexibility for more situations. So we're made to connect with God in a host of ways, in a myriad of ways, and we may have our favorites, and that's great, but my encouragement, and I think it's, this is you know, the idea of growing to be more like Christ, is that we would never stop growing. Our mindset would be, I always want to be increasing how I can connect with God. A larger repertoire gives me a larger flexibility for more situations. It gives me more options. And if the goal of my life is to learn how to be with God all the time, like that ninja, I want to have different weapons for different necessities, for different situations. What Do you have a weapon when you are stuck in the car and annoyed and frustrated? Do you have a weapon when maybe you just have a huge day of stuff coming and it's not stuff that needs to be pruned out and you just got a full plague and you got the, the kids and the work and the X, Y, Z... And maybe you've only got 10 minutes of quiet before the day is about to be very long. Do you have a, a weapon, if you will, a skill set to connect with God in a meaningful way for 10 minutes? 
Do you have that skill set for an hour? Where it's longer, it's deeper, it's God's just kind of peeling back the layers and really doing deep work. Do you know how to connect with God for a day? There's an awesome thing the Bible calls a Sabbath, which is a gift for you, which is meant to be that regular weekly rhythm where there's nothing that can penetrate this impenetrable wall of awesome boundaries where this is not a work day. This is a Sabbath day of rest and play and rejuvenation. Do you know how to do that well for a whole day? So those are the kind of things that we, as followers of Christ, we want to be asking ourselves. Are we growing in our repertoire? We might have our favorites, but don't, let's just not stop there. Let me give us an example of one that I, I find as a fun, healthy challenge. Revelation 1.10. This is describing the Apostle John in his quiet time, okay? This is a, on a Sabbath day. It's on the Lord's day, he says. So he's starting his time. He's alone on an island. So that's a, probably a pretty annoying, frustrating situation. You know, you're, you're essentially on, on house arrest on an island, probably by yourself most of the time. What skill set do you have to connect with God? And so he's, it's being described here, Revelation 1.10. I was in the spirit... On the Lord's day, and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He goes on to have this incredible vision and revelation of the, the prophetic coming future of God's consummation of his kingdom into this, you know, into the world. But before we even get there, there's, there's something described that sounds like a normal rhythm for him. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And that led to this incredible revelation. I'm intrigued by that. What does that even mean? That sounds different from, you know, my, my quiet times growing up. You know, what I heard in church a lot was just read your Bible, say a prayer. Get through the Bible in a year or two years or just get on a Bible reading plan and you know, read your two chapters a day, your one, your five, your ten minutes, your fifteen minutes. Just read the Bible and say a prayer. Now, I'm not diminishing that. I absolutely love the Bible. Absolutely love reading the Bible. But there was a very narrow experience, if you will, of read the Bible. Say a prayer. And what, for me, became rote in a way is... Now I'm reading for information. I want to check those little boxes. I want to complete it in one year. I want to do my 10 minutes. I want to do my 15. I want to say, oh, cool, I finished this book or that book. And it's more of, I've got, the, I'm, I'm, check, I'm getting information versus encounter. And I love here, and I still read the Bible all the time. But it's different than when I was a kid. It, the repertoire has expanded but I love this one this is very challenging I was just says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day what is that some type of prayer some type of vision some type of meditation this spirit to spirit connection with God that sounds cool right I want more of that for example one little example I love, I've grown to love, 
laying on the floor, just in our living room, move the, move the table around, lay on the floor, turn on some worship music, close my eyes, have a little conversation with God, maybe the, just a couple of worship songs to kind of get my spirit connected to His Spirit. Maybe it's a word or a phrase that It'll capture my heart, capture my attention, kind of awaken my spirit. Maybe it's an aspect of God's nature. Maybe it leads me to want to pray, but maybe a song or two, and then just turn it off and just lay on the floor, and the conversation's going. And then just a lot of different things could happen. Just praying for family, breathing in, just having that selah of just an aspect of God's nature, just breathe in God's goodness, thank Him for it. Praise Him. And if I look back right now, if I, if I, I mean, excuse me, if I were to tell my, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old self when I started reading the Bible, yeah, you know, when you're a few years older, you'll, you'll love, you'll love to just lay on the floor for long periods of time and have a just connection with God. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, that dude is weird. Right? But so is John. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And, but I would say, like, those in my life, those times where it's increasingly less about can I get information in and more of I just want to be connected in His presence it can be a simple truth or an aspect of His character or a simple thanksgiving a recognizing of his goodness, and it's becoming much more simple and longer. And to me, that's encouraging. That God wants to do those kind of things, and I'm not in any way satisfied. Okay, now I'm capping my list. The idea is, as those you know, spiritual ninjas, if you will, until the day we die. Let us have that hunger to continue to grow in our repertoire of how we can connect with God. So it's not just, oh, I do Bible reading and prayer. But it's Bible, and it's prayer, and it's journal, and it's meditation, and it's memorization, and it's worship, and it's speaking in tongues, and it's intercession for others, and it's let the list just keep growing and growing so that there's more and more ways to connect with God so that we can live more of life connected to God. Right? So I encourage you to look for things in the Bible that are new. Was it Joel 2, beautiful prophecy when the Spirit of God is poured out. Peter repeats it in Acts chapter 2 where it says, young men will dream dreams, old men will have visions. Maybe I flipped that around. Doesn't matter. Both of those are weird to our culture. Visions, dreams. But those are beautiful ways that God is clearly saying His Spirit poured out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, your young and your old, your rich and your poor, your slave and your free. I mean, there was just so many boundaries that were being broken in that declaration of just basically saying God's Spirit is poured out upon all. He wants to connect with you in that spirit-to-spirit -spirit way where you, yes, little old you, get to have a real connection with God. But I would encourage us, as I do myself, to find ways that seem a little bit outside my comfortable box. 
what seems a little weird. Because on the other side of that weird may be, and most likely is, an incredible new way to encounter God. And if we want to be disciples, which means lifelong learners, apprentices of Jesus, our heart's posture should be not, I've got my list and I'm done. We can always have our favorites, but it should be, I want to have an ever-expanding repertoire of how to connect with God. And that's more than anything, I would say, it's a mindset. If you have that mindset, the opportunities will come. Number seven. We'll close here with a, a thought about our past and a thought about our future. As we're practicing learning to live in the present, and we've said from a philosophical angle, that's all we ever really have is the present. The past is gone. The future isn't yet here. All we ever really have, the only really real reality, is the present moment. Yet God says things about our past and our future. Remember the past. Be healed from the past. Don't worry about the future. Have hope in the future. So there's those tensions in God's word, but they're all meant so that in the present, we can be fully present in his presence. So just one word about the past and the future, and we'll be done. So number seven, again, to grow in the skill of being able to be present in God's presence, we're going to want to seek healing from the painful things in the past. I love God's heart about... What is that beautiful rhythm? There was just this little sound. Whoever that was, you owe some very good donuts next Sunday. All right, check these out. Psalm 147. Think about these three passages we're about to read. This is God's will for our life. We all have had imperfect lives. Another way to say that is there will be things in us that are hurts from the past. We've all had painful things that God's will is to heal. Psalm 147.3, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God is a God whose will is to heal up every single one of us, to heal up those areas of our hearts that have been broken by the imperfect and painful world around us. He wants to heal up our wounds. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that word saved in, in the Hebrew is a very rich. It's picked up in the New Testament as this, this sozo idea. Saved, healed, delivered in the New Testament. Salvation is all the same word. And it has its roots in the Hebrew sense of shalom. A wholeness. A salvation where God comes. And it's about saving our soul. 
Healing and deliverance. Healing our wounds. Delivering us from the lies and power of the enemy. Healing our bodies. It's this very holistic sense of well-being. So the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He rescues us. When we're crushed, he wants to make that whole and alive again. He wants to revive us. Or Isaiah 61.1, which, very important to notice, this is a prophetic passage about the coming Messiah, and Jesus quotes this passage about himself as the description of his ministry. Isaiah 61.1 says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has, the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And it goes on for more. But for our purpose, let's focus on that. That is the ministry of Jesus can be summarized, or I should say, one aspect of how Jesus' ministry is summarized is to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's great news, because there's not a single person in the world that has been unscathed by the imperfections that are all around us. The broken world breaks us. <laughs> the hurting world hurts us. As they say in recovery, hurt, hurt people, hurt people. So there are lies that have been spoken over all of us in some fashion. There are the imperfect representations of, uh, imperfect representation of God that has been bestowed upon us by authority figures that, that leaves hurts and wounds and mistrust. And thank God that it is His will to heal that up, to name the lies, to reveal the lies, to deliver us from the lies, that we might live whole. And it's not a one-time thing, because even as we go through life, unfortunately, part of the reality is that there's still imperfect people out there. There's imperfect people in here. There's imperfect perceptions of God and ourselves in here. And so we will be hurt throughout life. But God's will is to clearly heal, period. And so part of our courageous work as followers of Christ is to allow ourselves to be real with that, to allow God to search our hearts, examine our hearts, show us ways within inside of us that are not lined up with his will. Show us the lies. Show us the mistrust. Show us the fears. Show us the hurts. And let him, in his way, in his time, heal. If we don't, the reality is this. When a hurt from the past or the present is still an open wound, it keeps us from being able to be fully present. We can feel it. Just check it. If you're holding on to a fear, a hurt, a wound, a lie, maybe you don't even know it, it will keep you, it will keep me from being able to be fully emotionally present. You will have walls up to protect yourself from being hurt again, but those walls to protect are also walls that block intimacy. They're walls that keep you from being present. They're walls that keep you from fully being able to emotionally be available to the ones you love and want to connect with. And so part of, I mean, you can feel that, right? I mean, it's for, for yourself, for others, 
in a conversation, in a room, and you can just feel that a person's not able to be fully emotionally present. They're guarded. And, and they may have every reason in the world to be. And you may not be a person yet that they trust, and that's okay, and you don't try to force that, that guard down, necessarily. But you can still feel. To be able to be fully emotionally present with God, with people, with others, there is that need for God to set us free. It doesn't mean we don't learn things from the past. We can learn. We can become wise about who to entrust ourselves to, who to entrust intimacy to. And not everybody's worthy of trust. And so that's, a, that's something that's real too. But what we want, what we want for ourselves, what I want for myself, and don't get, you can feel that. I want to be able to be anywhere and be fully emotionally present, fully available. Now, I can choose, right, to give of myself or not, but I don't want it to be a hurt or a wound that's just stuck and it's a wall and it's painful. I don't want it to be that holding me back from me being able to be present in a moment. And so this is, in some ways, a, a much larger topic and message that is worth its own time at another time. But that's, that's a skill. That is an encouragement for all of us to be able to be fully present with God and others and ourselves even, is to seek the Lord for healing from the stuff of the imperfect and broken world that's hit us. And lastly, and we'll, we'll call it a day, to look to the future now. Number eight, to grow in the skill of entrusting the heavy lifting of the future to the Lord. I love, 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 Again, this is a whole its own message, so it's more of just let's get it in our minds and we'll, we'll come back at various times and have in the past. But I love how Jesus says that his will for us is a light and easy yoke. Not because life's easy, but because we've given the burden of carrying the heavy yoke as the strong oxen over to the one who's actually the strong ox. Him. Life is heavy and it has burdens, but he wants to carry it so that what we're feeling is what the young ox is supposed to feel, which is a light yoke upon us as we're watching the big, strong, seasoned ox do the heavy lifting. And we're just kind of along for the ride, being like, yeah, this guy's strong. It's a picture that Jesus paints for us. He wants to do the heavy lifting about our futures and our present and our past. But for the future for the present moment, let's, we're focusing on the future here. Luke 25, Jesus says this. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? Do not seek what you're to eat and drink, and don't be worried. Your Father knows that you need these things. Instead, seek His kingdom. These things will be added to you. So this is the whole entrusting the heavy lifting of the future to the Lord. This is that natural kind of primal anxiety that all of us have about, are we going to make it? <laughs> are we going to have enough? Is there going to be food? Is there going to be clothes? Is there going to be the provision there when I need it to be there? About everything. And Jesus is, is, is encouraging us. He's, he's commanding us, but it's meant to be freedom. <laughs> Let me carry that burden. Let me do the heavy lifting. Trust me. Put it on me. Don't put it on yourself. It just doesn't work. You can't even add an hour to your life. 
So a skill to being able to be present is to entrust the heavy lifting of the future to the Lord, right? Because what happens if we have put the heavy burden of the future on our selves? You can't be present in the present. You're consumed with the worry of the future. That's why Jesus said in the parallel passage in Matthew, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough. Each day has enough. What I love to take from that is that is permission. That is permission to be present in the present. It's not, I'm not saying that you don't ever think about the future or plan or, you know, work on the things that are required for, for job and for bills and for smart saving and planning. Yes, there is absolutely a time and a place under the, the leading of the Lord's Spirit to be wise about stewarding the future. Absolutely. It's a whole other message. But what Jesus is talking about here is it's the general taking on the burden of my future is all up to me. I'm ultimately the provider. In the root of it, it's I'm not trusting, entrusting the heavy lifting of the future to God. So I'm living the, my present moment with a huge burden about the future. And here's how you know. Jesus is saying, are you able to be present in the moment? Not filled in the moment with anxiety about the future. That's your test. <laughs> if you're not able to be fully present because of anxiety about the future, there it is, right there. That's where Jesus is saying, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. And I love that as a piece of permission that as long as I've been faithful with, you know, what I need to do to plan and to, you know, steward well these things that are in the future, then in, a, in the present moment, I have permission to turn off all anxieties about the future and say, those are yours, God. You're the heavy lifter, so I can be fully present in the moment right now. Let me just give you a super practical example. I mean, we all know what it's like, right, to be in a situation where we're not fully present. We're supposed to be, you know, playing with the kids on the floor, engaging them because that's what they need. This is the moment. This is family time. This is a Sabbath time. And I'm supposed to be emotionally, spiritually, physically available to invest in my kids, to show them love and affection and joy and all these wonderful things that are coming from the heart of the Father so they grow up healthy and whole. But... If I'm not present or able to be present because I'm worried about tomorrow, I've lost the moment. And so I love this Jesus saying, you have permission. <laughs> Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself because I'll be there. So I translate that as I have permission to categorize things in my brain. Even though there are things that need to be taken care of tomorrow and there's, there might be big stuff, I'm doing nothing positive by worrying over it. So I have permission from Jesus to turn it off and say, that's not my burden. I can be fully here right now. So let me just, a little example. So yesterday, my 12-year-old has a birthday party to go to of his best buddy, 5 o'clock at night. Now that's getting pretty close. My Sabbath day is, is over. We do like Friday night to Saturday night. Nothing else exists. But you know, starting to get into 5 o'clock Saturday night, it's like, oh, a couple more hours, then put the kids to bed, and then Sabbath is over and do some 
preparation for the next day. It's kind of last minute reviewing, etc. So I'm feeling it coming. I'm feeling my mental up. Oh, start thinking about it. Start making sure you got your, you know, your your T's crossed and your I's dotted, and you start reviewing it and all this stuff. And it was just, it was fun and powerful to be able to take God's word and translate it into no, 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 no. I have permission from Jesus. What does he say? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow take care of yourself. I have permission from Jesus, and it's actually an act of worship for me. It's an act of worship to put the, the burden on his shoulders, meaning to trust that if anything's going to be good, it's going to be by his grace and power anyways. So I have permission now to, in my brain, put a little category. That's not my burden. I get to turn it off. It's not my responsibility for the next couple hours. Whatever thoughts and pressures and anxieties are there, I have permission from Jesus to turn it off and just be fully present, to almost like pretend it doesn't even exist. It doesn't even exist. Tomorrow doesn't even exist right now. I can be fully present with my little man so that I can participate. And they had this little, it was a basketball-themed party. They had a skills competition, a three-point competition, then three-on-three. And so I can either be fretting and kind of worrying, or it's like, no, engage. And it's fun to be able to, like, in my mind, literally say, I can turn it off. It's not my responsibility. It doesn't even exist. Ha, selah. I am now able to be fully present and just enjoy. My little boy with all his little friends, I got to be the timekeeper for the skills competition, you know, three point. All right, now we're in money ball. Time! You know, just engage. That means so much to him. And it's a lot more fun than worrying about tomorrow. But those are the kind of things where it's like, that's just a skill, if you will, where we're practicing being present in the moment. So I want to give us a couple. I want to give us a couple minutes here. We're going to be done for now. Again, all of these things are just meant to be skills, like weapons in the arsenal of a ninja, to help us learn to be present with God. So I want to ask us to pray. Just a couple minutes of quiet. You're welcome to kind of review through your lift notes or in God's Word, or just sit quiet. I want to ask the Holy Spirit for every single one of us. What's the one thing that he's wanting to point out? Because this is a lot. This is meant to be a tool over three weeks that, that you would hold on to and go back to it more than once. But for today, of the eight skills, if you will, that are from God's word that we can be growing in, the question is, what does the Holy Spirit want to highlight to you for today? Where is he encouraging you that with his grace, he's saying, I want to grow you in this so that you can be more present in my presence? All right, as we uh, conclude here, my wife's going to share a, a quick word on the way out the door. Yeah, so just an encouragement. Am I on? Yeah. As we are growing and learning to be spiritual ninjas, just a reminder, um, you can even think of the, the movie Karate Kid. If you're going, growing to be a, you know, a black belt or a karate master, it does not happen overnight. You have a lot of days of wax on, wax off before you can do it really well. So no condemnation, no guilt, no beating over the head. Um, I would say train yourself not to focus on all of the ways that you're tripping up. <laughs> and train yourself, like Philippians 4 teaches us, to even as you're pressing in for the more from God, 
and for the ability to just be present in his presence more fully. As you're pressing in for the more to continually practice the gratefulness that Philippians 4 teaches us and to dwell in that place as well. Because even in wanting the more and to be able to, you know, connect and accomplish all of these amazing things that God teaches us in scripture and that and these are good desires and places where we want to go and you know the person that we want to be we want to be more like Jesus um it's also really important if we want to experience the goodness of God and heaven all of the time to add in the practice of as we ask for the more to be grateful for what's already there to cherish and to treasure the heaven, the goodness, and all of the fruit of the Spirit that is already there. Um, it's just really important for living in the tension. So as we're growing, as we're learning, as we're waxing on and waxing off, and it seems like, well, this isn't really going very smoothly. I'm not really doing this how, you know, a professional karate person should be doing it. I know my term, terminology is off. That shows you how much I know about um, martial arts. Um, but anyway, so those are just really helpful things to, to ease our mind that even though we want to be ninjas, that there is a process. There's always a process. And also to practice that, practice the gratefulness for what we have as we're, as we are, pressing in for the more because otherwise we can end up in a state of um, just being down and depressed because dang it I did such a terrible job of you know focusing on God's presence or loving people or whatever it is whatever it is that we're contending to do better and to grow more and to be transformed in um, anyways our, our perspective of gratefulness and also of grace for the process will really help to shift the atmosphere as we are pressing in for more of God. And it'll shift the atmosphere because, you know, when you're not having a good day, I feel like the easiest way to tap into God's presence is to just start thanking him and praising him. Start thanking him and praising him for, for everything that you can think of. It just, it shifts things. It just shifts everything. And, um, and, and it really makes, it just, it makes it, it's, it shifts our perspective and our atmosphere for the entire day. Just the simple art of practicing gratefulness, praise, and thankfulness. So. Amen. And I have one actually little tiny thing to add. This is going to be a message another time. Um, so it's not just practicing thankfulness with um, when we're pressing in for the more, for these for, you know, for just learning to be a ninja, learning to, um, to just put into practice powerfully all of these things, but also when we are pressing in for our own character, I actually really believe, you know, God loves children, and children have become a model for us for how we're supposed to live, um, having the heart of a child, and in having the heart of a child, um, it's so important for children 
I want to give you a little example of little Paxton. You know, when he's playing baseball, he comes back and he's like, I really need to get better at this. I really need to get better at this. I got to work on this. I got to work on, you know, my fast pitch or my fast, you know, whatever it is. But if he stays in that place of always focusing on what he needs to work on instead of celebrating what he's doing great and the wonderful things in the game, life is going to be hard and it's going to stink and he's not going to be living as the child that God wants him to live in. And as adults, we can see that really easily in children. Oh, sweetie, you know, let's focus on all the great things. Let's learn how to have fun. You know, let's appreciate all the good. As you're pressing in to grow in your skills and to grow in your character, let's also not forget all the good that we're having a great time. And I really feel like God wants us to remember that we are children And for us to live out and experience the fullness that he has for us when we're pressing in to grow in areas of our character, it's really important for us to thank him for the good things that are inside of us and that he's already done. And if you're having trouble seeing it, go ask somebody who loves you and listen to it. It's really important. I just feel like that's such a huge part of the heart of the Father for us. growing to be okay as we're growing to be (laughs) as we're growing to be spiritual ninjas not to forget the gratefulness and the fun and just the remembrance of you know we're children and a healthy child it's real easy for us to see as an adult a healthy healthy child isn't constantly pressing in to get better because they stink at everything a healthy child is enjoying all of the goodness that they already have inside of them. That, you know, Paxton looks at all of his qualities. Oh, I'm so good at this. Look at my muscles. Oh, yeah. And there's so much goodness in praising God and in being aware of the, of the transformation and of the beautiful things that he has fashioned in us. So, yes, as we press in to be a ninja, very quick things. It's a process. Wax on, wax off and to be grateful and look at all the good things as we press in for the more. Amen. (laughs) All right, we'll be done. We'll have some prayer team up here. So if uh, you are desiring for prayer about anything in life, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Remember, there are the sign-up sheets uh, in the connection card for baptism or being a chef or gate access for next Sunday. There aren't. All right. Have a great Sunday.